Your guest tonight on golf and other things people like to talk about when they need to take a break from talking about golf. He is a true renaissance man, a golden glove winner, a drifter, but not like a transient, like somebody who drifts in cars, a deep sea fisherman. He does motocross. He's a golfer and a pro stuntman. Your guest tonight on golf and other things people like to talk about when they need to take a break from talking about golf. Vinny O'Brien. Wow, man, that was quick. Look at that, dude. I'm just chilling on my phone, man. Man, that is the quickest that anybody has ever gotten back to me on this, man. Typically, I I send that message and I'm standing by for about five minutes. I told you, man, 535 and we're golden, bro. How how am I sounding? Because I got a Sounds little great. bit of the uh, laryngitis from uh, yeah. hacking it up the last uh, week or so. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, man. Kind of got, got got the low, uh, raspy, sexy voice going. There it is, dude. You know, you got to just bring that to the <laughs> the romantic movies. Right, right. So what's going on, brother? We got uh, we got Vinny O'Brien on the phone. Yes, sir. It's, man. it's it's tough to come across somebody whose name fits them perfectly. <laughs> it's not often that that happens. I actually yeah. I can't even think of like a there was a guy. Um, I grew up playing at uh, Harbor Park nine mm-hmm. hole off of the one ten. Mm-hmm. There was a longshoreman that played out there. His name was Butch. Oh, he nice. actually kind of reminds me of the character that Bruce Willis played in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It yeah. just it fit him perfectly. But Vinny O'Brien, you're definitely <laughs> not a Vincent. No. You're no. definitely a Vinny. Yeah. And, you know, what's actually funny is I've had people like, you know, they love you know, say they love my name before. But you're the first person to say that my name fits me. And I'm like, yeah. Really? Yeah. I swear to God. The first, first one? Yep. Yep. Well, like not me, like meaning like never met a person with a perfect name like that. Like, you know what I mean? That fits you. Yeah. Like, I've heard people like, oh, yeah, it's a funny name because it's, you know, half Italian, half Irish. Yeah. Da-da. You know, you're definitely a Vinny, blah, blah, blah. But right. Yeah. You're the first one to say. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah when a like... Vinny, Vinny O'Brien hit me up uh, for a short game lesson, I was like, well, this guy's probably a little bit on the shorter side. He's probably in good shape. He's probably a boxer. He's probably from the East Coast. Yep. He's probably really gritty. <laughs> probably takes stuff uh, pretty seriously and gets, uh, you know, addicted to stuff and just doesn't stop, you know. Yeah. And then you showed up, and that's exactly what you were. That's <laughs> that's, that's That pretty much sums me up right there. Right? Yeah, that's why I had to walk away from drugs because you know what I mean. Right, right, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, yeah, man. It's all good stuff, man. But yeah, Yeah. I just got got done with my addiction. I just got done with eighteen, and I shouldn't have even been able to finish, but I got it in. How long have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing so. We like I played off and on like randomly, but like I mean like when I say I play randomly, like three years ago I was a twenty six handicap. So pretty yeah. much I I say when I actually really started to play and I really started to practice and try and learn the game of golf was three years ago. 
Yeah. And so, like, I used to, we used to play pitch and putts with my dad and all this kind of stuff. And my dad wasn't a good golfer at, by any means. And, um, uh, but we would just play pitch and putts and stuff like that. But that was just random stuff. And I think I just had it, ran, you know, naturally kind of inside of me. And then, um, yeah, and I played here and there over the years. But, yeah, three years ago is when pretty much around COVID hit. It was like, uh, you know, it was like, yeah, two and a half years ago, whatever. COVID right. hit, I was like, okay. And it was, I think I got into about like three or – well, I got into about six months before COVID okay. hit. Then I was in Thailand for a couple months. And then when I got back, COVID hit. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do motocross and – golf and that's all yeah. i did for the entire covid and then just kept on going with it you know so somewhat of a of a covid golfer yes very but much you're so. already down to a what i'm down to my lowest rating my lowest handicap was a 5.2 yeah and so yeah uh it's kind of jumped up a little bit i'm at like a 6.3 right now yeah. um but that's just because i keep going through swing it's so funny like i'll have my i shot my best round which was a 71 and it was actually at hanson dam from the tips yeah. and i shot a 71 there and then you know i right away i just started working on things that were inconsistent and stuff like that so you just go through the swing changes and so i'm just i know it's going to be that ever-evolving process you know yeah yeah but uh how old are you Vinny? 35 yeah 35 so what I've seen through the years is uh, it's it's typical to see like a, a, a kid who's, uh, you know, started playing when they were eight mm-hmm. and when they turn 11, they have a huge jump like that. Like just just started playing golf when I was eight. And then mm. by the time I was 11, shoot a 71. But it's not often that you see that with adults. So obviously uh, you're taking it seriously. Yeah, dude, I'm a range rat, bro. Like, right. like when I got back, I got back from Costa Rica like last week, and I've been back for a week. And today was the first full round I played. Every day I was at the range, and some days I was at the range twice a day. And so I'm just a, I'm a range rat. First, I break down what I really want to work on when I go to, you know, because I know how from being a professional boxer, mm-hmm. racing motocross, I've done a lot of athletics. Being a professional stuntman. I know how to train things and I always, you know what I mean? I, I I kind of pride myself on that. And I always tell you like, you're like, you know, you can explain me to your blue in the face is something, but if I don't know how to apply it to myself and learn it, you know, it's lost. So it's me as the teacher. Right. So it's like, I get all these tips, but it's like, I got to be able to apply it. So I'm a video guy. um, And I just sit there and I'll work on one thing and then I'll, and then I'll just, then I'll drill the feel, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just a range rat, man. I just, I enjoy the grind. I enjoy the process. I enjoy, you know, when you, and when things are clicking and you're just absolutely flushing shots and it's, yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah. Well, when we got together and, uh, I started talking about, you know, some slow speed practice and one handed practice and mm-hmm. really getting good feels for what a good impact position like that, that clicked with you. Yes. That kind of related to, uh, some of your boxing stuff and when did you when did you start boxing um so i didn't start boxing until i was i got introduced to my first boxing coach when i was so a funny story about that is oh, actually really? it was like, I was, yeah i was like 17 18 years old i was kind of i was a late starter and my mom actually introduced me to my first boxing coach 
Um, and everybody in, in my family probably thought like between if you looked at me and my younger brother and you told us, you know what I mean? You're one of you is going to be tattooed, you know, professional fighter, um, and a commercial fisherman in Alaska, the stuntman, they probably could have saw both of us doing it, but like, they probably would have picked my brother to be all tatted up and stuff like that. Just cause how it was like, everyone thought I was going to be like a lawyer, you know? Right. And so it was just kind of really funny. Like I was going to be like a, you know, a lawyer, businessman, whatever, just cause I always had like, I could have an adult conversation when I was 10 years old. So, um, but when I was 18 years old, my mom was, she introduced a boxing coach to me and my brother. And it was really to get my brother to kind of like, he was going down a wrong road and kind of knock him in shape. And then I met the coach and I was like, well, I want to, I want to box. Yeah. And so I went in and I started boxing and my brother, he kind of got into some trouble. So he kind of fell out a little bit. And so I was there and I was telling all these guys like at the gym, I didn't know I was a very naive guy. Like granted, I grew up on the streets and I had to fight my entire way. I was always the small white boy in the streets when I grew up, yeah. I, was, I grew up in Bayo, New Jersey. And so, um, I had to just, you know, learn, I learned how to fight there. But when going into the gym, I was just like, I'm a very, um, I have a lot of, uh, like, a, I'm a very honest and out front kind of guy. And I like what I want to do and what I want to, you know, go after, I'll tell everybody, like, I don't care what it is. So I'm, I was telling all the guys like, yeah, I want to compete. I want to fight. Da da da. And I didn't realize that this put a huge, um, target on my back. And so yeah. there was a bunch of guys that were fighters there. And so, um, and I was the new guy, I was the new meat. Right. And so after about two or three weeks of, uh, hitting the bag, kind of just going after it and, you know, just, just doing what I could do. Uh, the coach asked me if I wanted to do some controlled sparring. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm game. And it was against this guy who's a Southpaw. This kid, Mighty Mike, was really hilarious. And he was jacked up, a jacked up fighter, man. Like, I mean, he was just muscled out. And he was a southpaw, which southpaws are even more. They're actually, for most people, they're a lot more difficult to fight. But I really enjoy fighting southpaws. And maybe it starts from this. But um, he, uh, we started sparring. I apologize for my boxing ignorance. A southpaw, is, a southpaw is a right hand forward. So instead okay. of your left hand forward and your left foot forward, your yep. right hand forward and your right foot forward. That southpaw means you're a lefty. Gotcha. So a orthodox means you're a righty, right? Gotcha. So, and the reason why it's such a tricky thing for most fighters is because a righty versus a lefty, your power hands match up perfectly on an angle. So mm -hmm. it becomes a power, a, a struggle of angles. And yeah. you both are susceptible to a really close angle of each other's a power hand where gotcha. when you go against two righties both your left foot and so your both your power hands are the farthest point away from each other right yeah. so so there's a struggle on that side of it so i go against this guy and he has he's been fighting for three years or training for three years he's got three fights he's three no and uh so i'm like yeah cool control sparring i didn't think anything of it i didn't know any of this stuff you know so i'm like i go in there i'm like yeah control sparring like i'm naive i'm like yeah so you know we're gonna throw some punches sick i'm gonna get into it right and so this guy starts lighting me the hell up, you know, just yeah. lighting me up, swinging for the fences. You know, I saw white probably about six or seven times the first round. Yeah. I saw white another three or four times in the second round. And, you know, they're like, break us up. They're like, you good? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't good. Um, and uh, we kept on fighting. And I don't know what it was, man. 
there was just something there. Like I saw every time he jumped in with his jab as a southpaw, he jumped in and he opened up his body as he jumped in, like opened up his guard a little bit. Yeah. And so like, I saw him do it one time and I was like, okay. And he came back me up to a corner. And every time I was in the corner was like, I was, I was getting rocked and he came in and I just chucked an uppercut, a body uppercut. And to this day, I never knocked anybody down like this. And I knocked the wind out. This kid went to the ground, you know, he was yeah. just, oh, for five minutes, just done. And that was sparring. And I was yeah. like, sick. I like this. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so I just, then I just ran with it. Like I'm addicted to golf. I was addicted to, to boxing and I, I geek out with it. I nerd out with it. I, I learned the IQ, but I yeah. would say as a golfer, I'm more of a field golfer and I, I like to learn the science behind it, which is the same way I did with boxing. I would learn the science. I would learn kind of the rules I would say. And then I find my feel is how I kind of do it, you know? Yeah. And that's a, uh, yeah. So, but that was a, uh, and then I ran after boxing. Then I, I then I was a Golden Globe champion. I, I, I made it to explain, the final. Ex- explain to everybody exactly what that means. So the first year I went after a Golden Globe champion. So Golden Gloves is the state championship of your state. And so you are the state champion uh, of your weight class in that state. Yeah. And so the first year I went after it, I, I made it. I only had about six months of boxing under my belt. And I came out of nowhere and I made it all the way to the finals. Took four. I would imagine that that's not typical. It is not typical. And I'm just a natural fighter. You know what I mean? I mean, I was kind of a bruiser in the beginning. I didn't have the boxing IQ and I didn't have uh, the knowledge that it took me obviously later in my career, but I could, I could throw a punch and give a punch. And plus I was, I was a lot smarter than most. And I knew I, I was a very conditioned fighter. So what I realized was like, I can, I'm pretty I'm re- pretty good at defense. I'm pretty good at offense and I'm really good at conditioning. So most of these guys are really good at both either defense and offense. I was like but most of them I saw their conditioning sucked and I was a wrestler for 8 years. Mm. So the wrestler kind of came out of me and I would just overboard like I swam every week. I had a great coach who he he showed me swimming. I would run, you know, mountains. I was just after like I was training my butt off, you know, and so I would just take these guys into deep water. And I knew eventually I was going to survive, you know, that's yeah. kind of what, that was kind of my strategy in the beginning. And I kind of became a crowd favorite from that, you know? And then, uh, so yeah. So then yeah. I made it all the way to the, I made it all the way to the finals my first year out, which was, you know, I came out of nowhere and then I lost by two points. I kind of got lost into the moment, you know, the moment got big for me and I, and I wasn't used to, a state championship. I wasn't used to being in this big of a show and this big of a dream. And I was kind of taking it. I wasn't taking it as seriously as I could have in other way. In one sense, one sense I was, but you fight every Friday. So basically how the golden gloves works is you fight either every Friday or every other Friday and you keep fighting. And the tournament goes for about five or six weeks until you get to the finals. And every Friday I'd fight, I'd win and then I'd go out and party for a night or two. And, mm. you know, I'd go out and drinking and drugs and girls right. and, you know, and then I'd blow up 15 pounds and then it was back to the gym. So mm. it wasn't really the best way. Uh, but it was beautiful because when I lost, I realized that I didn't give up everything. So when mm. I came, when I came back the next time I said, and I came back for the goal, I was like, okay, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to give up everything. I mean, girls, drinking, partying, friends. I mean, I'm going to eat, sleep, drink, and boxing. And I pretty much put it, I gave myself an ultimatum. I said, if I don't, um, if I don't win this, 
I'm done with boxing. I'm, mm. I'm done with it and I'm going to move on and I'm going to go to whatever else, you know what I mean? But if I go, I was like, because if I can give everything, then I know if I fall short, it's just not in my cards, but I gave everything. Right. So yeah. that was just kind of where I was. If I, I knew I had the talent, I knew I had an ability, I knew I could do it. But if I, if it just wasn't in my cards, it wasn't in my cards. And, but I, I knew I had to give my, I had to give everything. And so I gave everything. Then I was morning runs, swimming, training anywhere from four to six hours a day. And, you know, just, I, I went after it, man. Like I quit my job. So all I could do was box and that was it. Yeah. And so, and so I went after it and then I, I made it all the way to the finals again. It took me four fights to get to the finals. Uh, I got to the finals and I won. Um, uh, I won, uh, I won, I won the championship. I, I won um, the golden gloves and then I won fighter of the night and fighter of the tournament. So, um, yeah, I think cool. one of the really interesting things about you is that you've got, you've got your hands into, you know, so many different things, uh, for a period of time that you've been on this planet mm-hmm. yet. You seem like the type of person who just goes full bore, or whatever it is. So it's kind of, kind of crazy that you've uh, been able to do really well or master uh quite a few different things but uh uh but you, you just seem like one of those guys that's like once you latch on to something you don't let go at the same time right yeah and and i but i also believe that that's for like I, I love talking to kids and i'm actually like a public speaker for you know some la uh, high schools and you know uh junior colleges and stuff and for me i always try and because everyone's so because of this whole instagram and social media and everybody everyone's so afraid of failure and the thing about boxing was like that was like the ultimate fear of failure and embarrassment like you can get knocked the hell out in front of all your friends and family and like i told everybody like there wasn't like you know i i went under the radar like i told everybody i wanted everybody to come and support because i was like i'm winning you know what i mean but like you also have you have to put it on you know get ready you can get embarrassed as well right but for me, the thing is, I, I think I was, everyone just thinks I'm like, you know, when they hear about my background and the things I do, they're like, oh, you're just, you just must be fearless. And yeah. I'm like, it's actually the contrary. I'm actually, I was like, I actually get way more fears and doubts than you, than most people, because I'm putting a lot of stuff on the line in mm-hmm. those moments. So most people have never felt certain things that I've, I've felt, you know, right? Yeah. Like when I fought on ESPN Friday Night Fights, like I, I fought, I fought on ESPN Friday Night Lights. I fought on uh, IDF championship cards. I fought in front of 12,000 people at the Prudential Center. Like I fought on pay-per-view. Like you're, you know, it's nerve wracking, right? Right. So, and I, I get the Isn't that crazy thing. how that, that, that mentality actually brings out the best in a lot of guys. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of people on this planet that do uh, some pretty incredible things that uh, are right there where you're at. Yeah. I won't, I won't mention the guy's name, but uh, back in the day he was number one in the world. And I um, knew a guy that hung around his camp Mm -hmm. back in the day. And this guy, you know, just like most uh, number one players in the world was just a straight up stripe show. Right. Mm. And this guy told me that he used to take uh beta blockers because he used to get so nervous. Yep. And he was yep. just fearful that he was going to make a fool out of himself on the first hole. And it's like that guy. Yeah. The guy who never misses yep. it. <laughs> yep. Right. 
Right. And you're like, oh, my God. And when you hear these stories from people where you're like, you know, and I, I have a lot of amazing uh, stunt guys that, you know, professional stuntmen. And I'm fortunate enough to be an established guy in the stunt community. But there's some like really top level guys who've just been in the game for 30, 35 years. And, you know, they're car major car guys. They flip cars, crash cars, do big, big sequences. And you hear these guys talk to you about how, you know, they they screwed up a job or they were nervous or they did this. And you're like, wait, you screwed up a job? You right. did that, you know, and because everybody just thinks that, you know, when people do crazy things, they almost want to create a disconnect as if that person is just this freak, you know, because right. then it kind of, it, I think it kind of takes a little bit of responsibility from yourself, you know, because everybody can do whatever the hell they want. It's just, I always believe in jumping all in because when you jump all in, you at least know if you like it or not. Like well, I, I learned, I, I went to a painting school uh, like I did like uh, painting classes uh, maybe like a year ago and I jumped in, I, I bought 10 classes and I went every week and I bought the easel and I got the paints and I love it. It's amazing. It's so much fun. You know what I mean? But I'm like, how am I going to know? I'm truly, I truly love it unless I jump all the way in. Mm. Right. Like if you do that whole one foot out, one foot in kind of deal, you know, when do you, how do you really know if you like it or not? You know, right. you're still in that judgmental phase. Like, do I like this? Da da da, whatever. But it's like, how do you truly know that? That's like, you know, going into a relationship with somebody and you know what I mean? But also playing the field on, you know, 50% of the time, you know, like right. how do you really think you do truly love that person if you're not really trying to commit. Right. Mm. And so I don't know. That's just kind of my thing is like, everyone just thinks I'm fearful, but it's like, I kind of see the fear and I've, there was this quote that always hit me in my life. And it's like, um, it's like on the other side of fear is greatness. And, and it's, I, I never really like equated to like, Oh, it's greatness of being a champion or being whatever, just meaning on the other side of fear, it's just great things. You know, the yeah. fear is natural. Danger is danger is real. But fear is a choice. You know what I mean? Fear. And you're like, no, no, but I got, I'm scared shitless. And it's like, cool. Like, I went out and I raced go-karts because I was like, I wanted to get there a go-kart race. And I did this like three years ago. And I, just like I do, I get all in and I got a cart, got a coach, got a mechanic. And I'm like, boom, let's do this. I'm in first race. There's 25 guys. And I'm like, and the guy, and I only raced on my cart. Uh, like I only did one week of practice. And the guy goes, wait, you want to race? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be racing next week. And the guy's like, what? And I'm like, yep. Oh, that's what we're going to do. And the guy's yeah. going to be like, I'm crazy. But I'm like, dude, we're in it, right? So, and everyone's like, yeah, but what happens if you, you lose or, you know, whatever? Great. If I get, get the last, whatever. It's, I'm still better than when I first did, started the race, before right. the race, you know? You're still better, even if you get dead last and, and just complete terrible outing. You're still better now, at least the next time you know how to you at least know what somewhat is coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. You at least have a little bit more preparation, should I say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a culmination of like the willingness to jump into the deep end, but then at the same time, fearful of it going wrong and that allowing you to uh, get into a mental state where you're going to prepare as hard as you can yes. to, uh, to deal with that pressure. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously it, it takes like, you know, you'll be more successful the more prepared you are. Right. So right. it's like, you know, uh, the whole thing is like luck is when success, uh, when preparation meets opportunity. Right. 
So it's like, and I believe that's what success is, right? Luck and success. You can interchange those words. And you obviously need to prepare for your opportunity. And if you don't prepare for your opportunity, failure is inevitable. You know, you might have a lottery win or whatever it is. You know, someone gets disqualified or whatever. But 99.9% of the time, you're going to, you know, it's inevitable. But so you obviously have to prepare for it. But for me, it's just, you know, I just think that you, you know, you put your best foot forward. And and, and I, can we curse on here or no? Yeah, I'm, go for it. All right, because for me, I love to, I I love to fuck it up. Just yeah, fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like, go fuck it up. Go figure it out. Because like, I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna train. So even though I went in for that that week, and I only went a week before that race. I went two times of practice sessions during that week to prepare. So I didn't just go like a week and then I'm like, okay, I'll show up a race day. I gave myself a chance, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to learn some stuff. I went home. I watched videos. I wrote it down. I, I became a student of it. I jumped all in and then the week came and then boom. And then I ended up getting like a mid pack. I was like 14th or 15th, which I was stoked about. I was like, I didn't wad up. I, I you know, I, I, it was amazing. I didn't, and I got mid pack. Right. And so you sit there and everybody is so scared of this fucking failure and kids, especially today, and even adults, everybody, because of this Instagram shit, because everyone sees everyone's highlights mm-hmm. and they think everybody else is so good. But right. there, again, there's another quote is sucking at something is the first step of being great at anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So like anybody who's been great at anything sucked at one point. I don't give mm-hmm. a shit who you are. No, like Lionel Messi, um, uh, Tiger Woods. You know what I mean? Like Michael Jordan's, they sucked at some point. I don't care who you are. Now, granted, they started when they were younger, so no one saw that suck except their parents, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, but everybody looks at the wins and the winning season and forgets about the losing. So for me, like I'm got, I've gotten into a point in my life where I'm like, I can't wait to fail. That's when yeah. the best lessons come. You know what I mean? I'm going to, dude, I'm not going to be great at everything. I don't expect, like, it's, that's gnarly to think like that. I want to try and do really great. I want to be really great at things. I want to be, do really well at, at stuff, but I'm going to fail and fuck up and I'm going to learn. It's just like, like life. I'm going to fuck yeah. up here. I'm going to make a mistake here and I'm just going to keep it moving. You know, like that's, that's what the journey's about. Right. Yeah. The story that's brought up constantly by people uh, in regards to Jordan is him not making his high school basketball team the first year that he tried out. I mean, who would, <laughs> who would, who would ever think that that would be the case, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then look what he turned it into, you know, right. like, and I, and then his that. hall of fame speech was basically just talking about how, you know, all these people who told him that he couldn't do it. And I think he like listed off names. He was like, yeah, I showed you, I showed you. Yeah. yeah. Showed yeah. You. <laughs> and right? he kept records and he sat there and like, and sometimes that's what it takes is like having that. But like, you know, you, you need to, you know, you know, you just got to put it out there sometimes. And, you know, I think you, uh, having that, that failure and having that stuff, you know, you're not defined by your mistakes. You're defined by how you handle your, your mistakes. Yeah. And that's how I, you know what I mean? It's the same thing as a boxer. And I, I, I've, I've merged that quote over into myself in, because in a boxer, you're not defined by your knockdowns. You're defined by getting up you're right. defined by how you keep rocking. You know what I mean? Like, or, or how it's not, you're defined by your losses. You're defined how you keep learning and keep growing and trying to be better. You know, like everything is, you know, there's, we're meant this whole place is a school man it's a right one big school on the golf course today no matter what it is dude you know so but everyone's just right. trying to be perfect all the time and i'm like that's a that's a uh illogical battle in my opinion right 
you know. So, so how'd you get into the stunt game? Man, I fell into it, pun intended. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, dude, I, I, I'm, I'm not a religious guy, but I'm very spiritual. I believe in God. And, uh, and I believe that it was just an opportunity that got brought up. I was at the tail end of my career boxing, which I didn't know was the tail end of my career. I just went, I I decided to go and become an an Alaskan commercial fisherman, which I met a kid or not met a kid. I beat this kid in the golden gloves. This kid turned out to become a fisherman in Alaska. And he hit me up when I was bartending in New York city and I was on an injury in boxing and I was partying very, very hard because I was at one of the biggest party bars in New York City. And uh, he's like, dude, you should come out and do some fishing. And I was like, what? And he hit me up on Facebook Messenger. I had never hung out with this kid, never nothing. But I was like, huh, it just pinged my mind, pinged my heart. And I always lead with my heart. I always lead with my gut and stuff like that. And I'm like, and there's just, I ended up booking a ticket and because I had this moment. And it was like, Vinny, if you don't leave now, you never leave. And I booked a ticket. I bounced. I went out there and fished for about a year, came back, and then I was on, I was training for a professional fight, and uh, they were uh, looking for some boxers for this boxing movie that was in Philadelphia. I changed cities and coaches, and um, they uh, they were looking for professional fighters, and my manager was like, hey, shoot your stuff over, so I shoot, shoot my stuff over, and they're like, hey, yeah, they, uh, they want you. They called me up and they're like, they want you for eight days, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's sick. Well, the movie yeah. turned out to be, it was Creed. So it was Creed 1 was the boxing movie. And so, and it turned out they didn't even want me for my boxing. They just, I was the main nemesis's entourage. I was mm-hmm. up in the ring when they were getting introduced and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I got in there and I was on there and I and I saw the stunt like that. I didn't know what stunts was. I didn't know what a stunt guy was. I didn't know what a fight choreographer was. I had no idea. Like I was the naive fan that thought like the actors did everything. I thought stunt guys were like guys that showed the actors how to do it and stuff. Um, and I met this fight coordinator that was there. He's still a really dear and good friend of mine. This guy Anthony Martins, and he. Um, we just started talking and well it was funny because i thought when i I had my nose up in the air because i was front row and center and i'm like oh here we go rocky boxing because rocky boxing is just not what boxing is you know right but it's great for storytelling and so i was like oh here we go and so i started watching it and then i started seeing the guy doing some body jab and the choreography i started seeing some body jabs some check hooks some really like cool intricate boxing moves and I see the guy who's showing the two actors and stuff he, that he's got like some boxing movement. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. So, and then it was like, it looked really cool. And so then I go up to him when there's crafty on set and we're, you know, drinking coffee, whatever. And I'm like, yo, man, I was like, dude, I was watching the choreography and I was like, uh, what you guys are doing? I was like, it doesn't suck, man. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he starts laughing. He was like, and I was like, nah, I was like, I just how I talk, man. I was like, to be honest, I thought it was going to suck and it didn't. And I was like, it looks really cool. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, you, were you, are you a boxer? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a professional fighter, Golden Globe champion, da da da. Yeah. Like, oh, man. And we start talking, we start chopping it up. And he was, he fought in the Golden Gloves, wasn't a champion, but he fought in the Golden Gloves. And, um, and we, and he loves boxing, just a big boxer at heart, you know, and, uh, trains it all the time. And, and then we started talking and then I, he found out through my, he's like, you know, he was just asking all these questions that I just didn't realize what he was doing. But he found out that I was, I raced motocross when I was younger. I was a commercial fisherman in Alaska, uh, you know, and I was a professional boxer and he's looking at me. He's like, dude, he's like, 
you're a stuntman. And I was like, mm. I don't know what that means, but thank you. And if I would have met anybody, like nobody in the business, if I would have met would have ever, I, I don't think would have done like what Anthony Martins did. And Anthony Martins just like, he just had this vote of confidence in me. And, and, you know, and normally like, you know, it's a very prestigious uh, and it's a very like hard, close knit community to get into, you know, and um, he pretty, I got my SAG card on that show, which is one of the hard parts to get into screen actors guild. Yeah. And I got that done with. And then afterwards he told me everything I needed to do, you know, create a resume, um, uh, get a headshot, uh, start making a reel of things that you can do. And, uh, and just kind of guided me along the way and then how to hustle sets. Cause there's a thing that stuntmen can do. It's kind of gone away now because of COVID rules and stuff like that. But pretty much what stuntmen will do is they will sneak onto a set. So you find out a location of a set that's mo- like a movie that's shooting in town. So, you know, one of your buddies will shoot you the information or if you're just starting off, you don't really have buddies. And so you have to find these yellow signs with black, as you know, with these black arrows that are shooting there, tell you where these movies are, are filming and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you find that set, you sneak on and you find the stunt coordinator and by any means necessary, when you find that stunt coordinator, you give them your headshot, you give them your 32nd pitch and, and you, you call it a day. And it's funny because you actually get really respected for the, in the game because of this. And it's the only department in the game that does this. Um, but I loved it. And cause like, for me, it was kind of like, you know, my mischievous days got back. I always loved being in places that I don't belong. So I was like, I, I kind of was a natural at it. And so I was just sneaking the place and I became known as like just this hustler, man. Like I flew to Hawaii to hustle a set. I rode my, I drove my motorcycle, um, six and a half hours. Well, it was because it was so cold. It was, turned out to be like a seven hour ride all the way up to San Francisco in 40 degree weather at three in the morning um to hustle uh to hustle a big coordinator and uh i went this is uh, something I, that i've never heard about it's yeah like and a, most like an inside thing it's an inside inside thing you know yeah and so and it's pretty cool you know and then you get like this and then like, i i hustled this coordinator who's one of my really dear friends and a, a big mentor to me this guy uh, mike gunther and uh, he's part of about 51 uh, 5150 action and they do he works with he's worked with michael bay like he's michael bay's right hand man like just he's a first unit director second unit director stunt coordinator he's just a, a g in a lot of aspects and um he uh, i i hustled him it was 3:30 in the morning at the golden gate bridge this was a different time i was working on a show up there took a $90 Uber ride at two o'clock in the morning. I saw him on the golden nice. bridge at three 30 in the morning. And he's like, I've never had anybody hustle me at three 30 in the morning. I'm like, Vinny O'Brien, nice to meet you. Got and, him. and then I, I've been on 10 movies with him. You know what I mean? And we just, he's just a dear friend of mine, you know, and he used to be a professional fighter kickboxer. So we kind of clicked on those realms and, um, yeah, man, I just kind of put my best foot forward out here. And as I go all into everything, I went all into after stunts. And, you know, I, I had all these skills, sure, you know, that were um, that made me kind of a good candidate to become a stuntman. But when you become a stuntman, you actually, you know, I, I didn't just do this to uh, go to a bar and tell a girl that I'm a stuntman. You know, I, yeah. I, I went all in. And so pretty much my theory was that if I wasn't working that week, I was putting 40 hours a week into training. 
So I was training high falls where I was jumping like 60 feet or, you know, anywhere from 30 feet, 40 feet up to 70 feet into an airbag. And, you know, that you do these headers and you do these, you land on your back and it's all about spotting your, you know, spotting in air awareness. And I'd work on the trampolines and I'd work on my tumbling and I'd work on my fight choreography and I'd work on, you know, uh, in the beginning and like my wrecks and how to displace your energy and wrecks and save yourself and wrecks. And I already had kind of that naturally, but it was like some other stuff and just kind of training it so I could be better and then performing in the in the spot and knowing where the cameras are so that you can sell certain action and uh, I just became a student of the game you know yeah I, I became a student and um and how I long have, how long you've been doing it uh I've been a stuntman for about eight years now oh, okay so and, and I, I kind of you've yeah, done and you've done a lot I mean when you came out and got a lesson from me that night, I took a look at your stuff, and I'm like, oh, shit, there he is getting choked out by Brad Pitt and <laughs> flipping cars. And, yeah. yeah, it looked like you've been uh, a super, super busy guy. Yeah, and I'm very thankful. It's a very hard industry to, to do that. It's a, a lot of guys that are in the generate that are or that are in this business are, you know, normally second generation, third generation, fourth generation. You know, it's a it's a very tight knit community. Um, and so to be a first generation, I kind of pride myself on it. And I work my, you know, work my butt off. And I, you know, because a lot of times it's like you can sounds like uh, sounds like getting onto the fire department. I, I, I don't know the fire department, but I'm yeah. sure it's same, 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 a very testosterone. Like, yeah. Know. My grandfather, my great grandfather, yeah. my yes. father. Yes. Yes. My cousin, very much my so, uncle. You know? yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it is, but you know, and so now, you know, I run up towards these guys because of jobs and stuff like that, but you know, it's all good if you can train all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what they were doing, what they did is then I got thrown into the fire and I had to do stunts. Right. And yeah pretty much you know do stunts like in the moment where it's last shot of the night and you have one chance at it and you gotta nail it and yeah. i nailed it in front of some stunt guys and then i get another job and i nailed that one and you know before you know it you kind of nail and then i've also screwed up a bunch of times too you know what i mean like what's dude, uh you said you've been doing it for eight years yeah of the eight years uh first thing that comes off the top of your head where you were absolutely scared shitless oof ah <sighs> I got to tell you, man, most stunts, they pucker you up, man. Most yeah. stunts you're about to do it, they pucker you up. Um, there was one I had to do just because, the you know, it was one of my bigger fire burns. I had to do a, a full fire burn while I was doing, which means my I'm, I was completely, it wasn't a full full because my front wasn't lit, but my whole back, my back of my legs, back of my back, um, my arms, uh, and the, and my shins were covered, but no, my chest wasn't cause the flames would go up into my helmet, but I yeah. had to do a burnout while I was completely on fire. So I'm sitting there roasting tires and I'm completely on fire. And so that was a different, so you're, so you're roasting tires and the inside of the car is completely engulfed in flames. No, no, no. So I was no, on okay. a motorcycle. I was on a motorcycle. Oh, a motorcycle. Gotcha. So I was gotcha. on a motorcycle, and I gotcha. was, and I was completely engulfed in flames. My whole body, everything of me, was on fire. Yeah. And, and I was doing a burnout on a motorcycle. Ah. 
So, and now that's just a different level, right? Cause I, you know what I mean? I've done some, you know, fire burns, but that was like my biggest fire burn at that time. Right. Yeah. And so now it's a different, you know, you, a different moment. And plus when you get into the gel, you start getting really cold cause they put the gel in refrigeration stuff. So, cause it, so it can keep you, um, so it can keep you safe and stuff like that. So you get into these layers and so now you're all jittery. Um, so it brings mm-hmm. kind of the nerve to another layer, you know, and you only get one. So you're on fire, but you're freezing. Yeah, exactly. Wow, well, that's, that's a trip. And which most people are like, wow, it must, you know, and if you get warm, it's actually a bad thing. Because if you get right. warm through all this stuff, it's that you means you're already burnt, you know? Mm. So the thing is like, uh, you know, and really warm, right? So it's like, so the thing is like, uh, you know, you get in and you, you have to like move around and dance. And so it brings a, a whole nother level of, of, of fears because fire is a whole nother beast, you know? And, you know, you, uh, uh, something that can be uh, uh, some fuel could be in the lines or you know what i mean uh, uh something can catch on the bike or whatever and right an explosion there right there could be there's a lot of the x factors that happen there you know and i had to do a 40 mile per hour t-bone on captain marvel that was a good one um then i had like a i had to jump like 65 feet uh into an airbag as a high fall okay. uh, it was really windy that day and it was in this and it wasn't even like for a show or anything it was just us practicing but yeah. it, it, it was just you're 65 feet up in this like very skinny ladder tower and you're up there and the wind's swaying you back and forth and i'm like what the fuck am yeah. i doing? you know <laughs> right you know so um yeah man you know i'd say you know but like i said like there's a lot of them uh that you know peaked me but i'd say one of my first major ones was like in kind of not major, but it was a moment like early, earlier off in my career. And I was doubling the lead on 13 reasons uh, why. And I had to ride a bicycle down this pretty big hill. And it probably brought me up to about 25, 30 miles an hour. And then I had to get to this intersection and uh, I had to near miss two cars that were like sliding in. And then I get around them and then I have to go into the hood of this car and when I go into this hood of this car, I got to go over, but I can't go into the windshield and I have to go over this car and I can't go too far because I'm landing into this concrete. Like I have to, and I have to hit like a certain way so that it reads that this character has um, got a cut on his forehead. And so it, it was for um, Mike McCarthy, um, who was, uh, he's an Academy Award winning director. Mm. Um, uh, wasn't Mike McCarthy? It was something McCarthy, and he's an Academy Award-winning director. And he, um, uh, you know, it's two thirty in the morning. It's one of my first like early morning, you know, shows. There's a couple. There's a bunch of like stunt guys that are established, established. You know, been in the game for. 20 30 years and they're all watching me and it's all that moment you know and so you just got to sit there and nerves are real nerves are nerves are natural you know so for me whenever i feel the nerves it's just like okay i'm in a moment mm-hmm. all right, now let me try and be aware of everything that's happening you know what i mean i just kind of be aware it just is kind of like a little trigger to me to be like okay this is a heightened so for me it's like everyone always calls like stuntmen like adrenaline junkies and mm. I, me personally, I hate that term. I hate mm. that because it just, it really kind of dumbs down sure. uh, people that do very uh, insane things. Like guys sure. who, you know, it almost kind of makes people think like, oh, this guy is, uh, you know, he's such an adrenaline junkie that, uh, you know, he'll just go out and do some stupid shit and put his life on the line and not, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's such like, and I'm like, and I know without like, doing his gonna... homework, he's not going to do any of his homework. He's just going to jump off a fucking building. Just right. going to send it and that's it, you know, <laughs> right. and whatever it right. is. And, right. you know, and Grant, like, and that's why most stuntmen are like some of the safest individuals that I know, like some of the most successful and best guys that I know in my business, you know, we're, all, we're the ones that are actually the biggest risk assessors. And, sure. you know, because we're, we're knowing what could go wrong. And we actually were the professional athletes on set that have the ability to do these things. Right. right. So we're always thinking of like, you know, because we, we've been in these situations and we can see that and stuff. So for me, when I say, when people call it adrenaline junkie, what I call it, is it's things that bring an extreme heightened focus. Right. And when you are racing cars, racing motorcycles, uh, doing, you know, anything that will people, you know, if you're jumping out of planes and you're, you know, any kind of things that are, you know, um, that are very intense, very kind of crazy to the, the public and stuff in a very fast pace, it brings this very intense focus that it has to, it, you need to be, it has to be just a streamlined intensity of focus. And mm-hmm. very few things can kind of activate that where right. you are just in this and you are by millimeters is, is the difference of success and not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's why I think why I fell in love with golf, to be honest, because there's a heightened focus there mm-hmm. when you're standing over a putt or standing over a big shot, there's, you got to calm everything down take your emotions out of it. You know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and, focus on and, and, and bring a heightened level of focus to that moment, you know, and obviously most people are not going to look at golf as an adrenaline junkie sport, but mm-hmm. that's what we're doing when we're on set. You know what I mean? And we're no, there's gotta them. be, there's gotta be a ton of similarities, you know, when the nerves are starting to hit mm-hmm. and you got to uh, control your breathing and you got to mm-hmm. control your thought process. And I mean, that's, that's what goes on in golf. hundred percent. And you're yeah. sitting there, you know, and that's why I love golf so much because it's, you know, there's strategy, there's the emotional. First, you have to master the physical. And then there's the, there's the strategy, there's the emotional, there's the mental, you know, which are, you know, that's, you know, you talk to hear read books from Bob Rotella and he'll talk about it. You know what I mean? It's the potential of a golfer isn't the athleticism of the golfer. It's his mind, you know, mm-hmm. right? And that's, and sure. I think anything that can train that and train in, in, and the cool thing I love about golf is most things that I do have a tendency to have an opportunity to fuck me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. racing Baja 1000 or racing motorcycles or cars or, you know, whatever I'm doing, there's a, an opportunity where I can get fucked up. And so when I'm on the golf course, it, it brings this beautiful heightened focus and this beautiful mental challenge and this beautiful emotional challenge. And, and I, I don't have a chance to get fucked up, which is pretty right. Cool. <laughs> right. You know right. what I mean? So it's, uh, but yeah, um, that's kind of, uh, my little spiel on, um, uh, on the adrenaline junkies and, and what that, uh, what it actually takes to do these pretty intense, crazy things, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people like, uh, when they use the term like a, a triggy trigger, happy copper, right. Yeah. It, yep. You know, a lot of the, you know, different incidents uh, are caused by different reasons, right? But a mm-hmm. lot of times these uh, incidents that go south with coppers, you know, me looking at it, I go, well, that was just an ill-prepared copper, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, um, if, if it did go sideways and it shouldn't have, right? There's other incidents where it's like, okay, well, 
that guy yeah. was on point. He needed to do what he did, and he was actually very prepared. But um, kind of like uh, people using the term uh, adrenaline junkies for uh, stuntmen. Exactly. Same yeah. thing. Like, it just kind of, yeah, it's, I think it's people who speak from lack of experience in a sense. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Are you planning on staying in the game forever or what's, um, what's your plan? You know, a lot of people, I have a lot of people that, that you know, are meant for me and stuff like that. And, you know, look, and, and I fight coordinated, I've assisted coordinated and, uh, you know, I've even stunt coordinated some things and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a beautiful thing where I can do and I understand action. And the beautiful thing I love about action is I believe it's just this beautiful art form. And because a lot of people don't understand what stuntman, like when you are a stunt coordinator, when you are a fight coordinator, when you are, um, you know, even just a stunt professional on set, you're we're, all what we're taking is, especially when you're a fight fight coordinator or a stunt coordinator, you're taking the action that's in the script. And nine times out of ten, like eighty percent of the time, it's from somebody who's never done action, never done a fight before, never had a fight in their life. You know, and they're right, and then they'll write in the script, okay, and I want this guy viciously. I want you know six right hands in a row right mm -hmm. and they're in their mind they're like that's vicious but in you know that just looked boring right right so in, in our job it's to translate right this into really cool action into something in some in, so basically what they want in that moment is vicious punches that show this rage and so it's our job to translate and come up with this choreography that matches what the writer and what the director see and envision because it's the, the, the writers, the, the beautiful thing about, and I've written a, a good amount of things myself. So I understand where the writers come from. When you're writing this thing, you get this vision and you, it's your job to kind of show the vision to people. And so when you have, when they come to us for the action and we get to come up with something that we're not just doing cool things because they're cool things. We're not just adding a, a 360 kick because we want to add a 360 kick in. We're, we're doing things like where it's, you know, it's a, it's a right head, a right hand, smash the head on the table, you know, grab them by the shoulder to throw them over a table couple of headbutts you know and they're like holy crap that's vicious and so then we create these pre-visuals which are called you know they're they're shooting rehearsals so we shoot them on camera in following the rules of the camera world you know which meaning you know cross the line and frame sizes and there's a lot of a lot of uh, technical uh, aspects of it but we we film this and then show this to the director and the writer and they're like, yes, that's exactly what we want. So it's a, it's a mm. beautiful art form and it's a beautiful collaboration with a lot of really great guys. There's a lot of amazing and a lot of great guys and women, you know, there's a lot of amazing stunt guys. There's a lot of amazing stunt women that are just so professional. And, uh, you know, it's not just showing up and being the crazy guy or the crazy woman that can do stuff. You know, it's, it's being a professional it's understanding our risks, understanding, you know, how we can, how we can support our team and it's understanding how we can go ahead and translate this action that we've read on this piece of paper in this and, and match the vision of the writer and the director. And mm. me, it's a beautiful art and uh, I do enjoy it. I do. Um, I do love doing things that people enjoy watching, you know, what's uh, what's the biggest film that you've worked on? um i've worked on a lot you know i was on ambulance uh michael bay i was in a lot of marvels i was in venom 2 captain marvel shang chi um i was in tenet from christopher nolan um uh, there's yeah i think i was in you know that, been, 
I've been nonstop for eight years. Yeah, I've been in a lot of good stuff, and I'm and I'm just really fortunate and just grateful of the opportunities to be around it and to be in it and and to be with some really great teams. Um, you know, working with some really great teams and some really great people is is my personal is me personally is is seventy percent of the game. You know, uh, you know, it's really cool to do cool things and be re- and 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 create amazing action. But when you get to do it around people that have similar values and similar um, belief systems of who, of how they hold themselves in the world and, and what they, and what, and their integrity of their soul. It's pretty awesome, you know? And so there's a really cool community uh, amongst the stunt men and women. And so for me, it's just working with some really cool teams and uh, being next to some of the biggest directors, like being next to Michael Bay and Christopher Nolan and, you know, uh, and uh, John Krasinski and just a lot of like big directors and watching them work in their magic and do their art form. And then you watch these big actors and they, they do their art form and then the DPs and the camera ops, they do their art form. And so just a, it's a big collaboration of art. Um, and some really cool stuff. So you know, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I, I it's definitely um definitely grateful. I'm definitely uh, fortunate to be where I'm at. Did you get in the into drifting because of the stuntman stuff or yeah. what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, how, I never. How long have you been at that? So I've been drifting. So I started drifting. Maybe I started drifting about four or five years ago. Okay. And so first I got by back up because when I was boxing, I couldn't ra- I couldn't ride my motorcycles anymore and stuff like that. So it was pretty much all I can do with boxing. But when I got to California, I was like, well, I can actually all this stuff translates into money. So pretty much, you know what I mean? The better I get at this stuff, the better I can, you know, make more money. Right. So right. I started getting in back into my motorcycles. And normally motorcycle guys are kind of known as better car guys in the business because of our throttle control and our clutch and our clutch control. And so you understand speeds and you, and especially in dirt bikes, you really understand traction because pretty much we don't have traction the whole time you're on dirt and it's all about finding traction. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, going to drifting and I just started, I was like, okay, that's another Avenue. So basically I became known in the beginning as just kind of a wreck guy and, you know, I'd take hard hits, take thumpers and, you know, get blasted through walls or, you know, have to you know, get, get hit and land on something that's like four or five feet down onto the ground on my back. And, you know, just did some really hard, hard stunts and, and did some fighting because I was a fight, known as a fight guy um, because of my professional uh, fighting background. And so um, I used that. But then the thing is, every all the money I made, I spent it on um, – living and life and all that good stuff but i always put money back into myself and i bought drift cars and i paid for training and I, you know i got a drift coach and went to, I, I learned some principles and then i i started getting into my own cars and i figured out the cars that i want to get and hanging around with the right guys and then i i got my own uh drift car and then i i, I upgraded from uh, two other drift cars and i finally had the drift car that i have now and i've I've raced that in autocross plus I, I drifted and then I raced uh, go-karts and people were like, Oh yeah, go-karts. That's cute. I'm like, go-karts. <laughs> you know, I was like, go-karts yeah. are like actually taught me more about uh, driving in a sense than, than most 
kind of racing because you know you're 80 you're doing 80 90 miles an hour and you're an inch above the ground and right you feel you know, it all. Yeah. yeah there's no suspension you know mm-hmm. so it's like so you you learn a lot about technique and 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 sure. apex and where to hit your turns and uh and racing style you know because you have no fender so when wheels hit each other you know i've seen carts i've been in a 25 person start and you know you know i'm up you know, in the top of the pack and, and there's three carts that hit each other, their wheels yeah. hit, there's three carts flipping or spinning in the air right mm-hmm. in front of the face, you know? So it's, I've just kind of just jumped into all that kind of stuff. And that's just, I'm like, and that's another Avenue and another world um, that I've just been getting better at over the past five years. And just adding, like for me, uh, what I love to do in stunts, I, I just don't like to stay stagnant. I just like to keep adding um, tools to my tool belt, man. Yeah. You know, more yeah. skills. And I'm sure that the the golf, in some way, shape, or form, you've been able to formulate something in your mind that uh, golf has helped you with uh, what you do for work. Yeah, golf is like a a beautiful art outlet for me, man, because I believe like a lot of people like to be like, oh, yeah, athletics are art. I actually think athletics is art. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than when you're sitting there and you're being strategic on a golf course and you're sitting there and you're creating some art and you're you're creating your strategy for the hole, your strategy for the course. And, you're you know, and you have your conditions and all these kind of outside variables because every golf course is different. And then you have to lock into these very high focused moments you know and even when you're just going for your personal best like i remember the first time i was trying to break 80 and you know and i'm sitting over my six foot putt which was like a a one foot breaker to the right which is just such a hard putt for me Mm -hmm. and and like i'm just i was shaking in my in my boots you know what i mean i'm like oh my god like my Mm -hmm. my stomach was in my throat you know and um, and so those beautiful moments that you have that and then like i say just kind of being emotionally sound and understanding and being aware that you're going to have these natural emotions and have, and be aware that you're going to have these natural doubting thoughts and those things are, but it's all about attitude. And Tiger Woods says, it's one of my favorite quotes, you know, the most important shot is the, is the next shot. Uh And, you know, so it's like, so I always just kind of, use that. And I'm a big avid chess player. Like I love chess Mm. and I believe golf is chess, just a physical chess form. Sure. you know sure the ability to uh sort of well stay in the moment but then at the same time uh keep your wits about you and and uh stay smooth and uh don't make such a bad move that you're done (laughs) <laughs> yes 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 or yeah. and you know and just yeah. and beat yourself up like you know i remember the first time i got a 71 i remember there was like three holes that i had three bad shots on mm-hmm. and like if i would have sat there and been like oh my god you jerk off you know mm-hmm. what the fuck? you know like you and you go down and you start going down the rabbit hole like oh, i fucked it up i fucked up the round da, 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 right. whatever and it's just a bad shot and for right. me it's it's kind of like you know the the tenacity that i've had my entire life to just kind of push is kind of kind of comes out in the golf because i'm like you know i've suck for a, a good enough and I, fuck, yeah, i'm still not good but i thought you know i can rock and roll on the course but it's like you know you i've been in enough bad situations to where i know i can i'm like i can get out of this i can pull off this golf shot this golf shot that i need you know so you just gotta be like okay hey bad shots happen i don't care right. if, if dustin johnson says it, he's amazing when he says it. he's like i have he's like i shoot some really amazing shots he's like and i shoot a lot really terrible shots mm-hmm. you know right. and it's like and i think it's that kind of attitude where you're like hey 
I'm going to have a bad shot. You're not going to sure. be perfect, you know? Sure. sure. So it's sure. like, it's a, it's inevitable for any golfer. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah. The sooner, the sooner that you come to that conclusion that, Hey, it's not going to be uh, peaches and cream all the time. You know, uh, that's when uh, you can get your stuff together and, and grind your way out. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah. and just be confident in that the golfer that you are, the person that you are, that you're gonna you're gonna have that shot that you're gonna have it because everybody, every person that we've seen that has won a <laughs> tournament or whatever, you know, I don't care. Go to the most recent tournament; it wasn't smooth sailing through the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially on the last day and the last nine holes, I right. can guarantee you every one of them had a, a. You know, I can say guarantee that at least every one of those guys had one shitty hole. Mm-hmm. But you grind yeah. it out. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, pretty accomplished uh, younger kids that come out and see me, you know, it's it's typically like right after they start playing in multiple day events, and they realize Mm -hmm. that uh, you know in two, three, four days uh, they're not going to be ball striking machines, and they got to have they got to have some uh, some backup. You know, yeah. and uh, and be able to get it up and in from anywhere because because eventually at some point, you know, it's not typical to go through an entire round and, and hit it great. I mean, at some point you're going to even on good days, you're going to have three or four holes where you're like, oh, this is a little squirrely. I don't know where it's going. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, um, oh, yeah, but exactly. once you get into multiple day events, you know, it. Even if you're playing well, you may have an entire day where you're like, man, I don't, I kind of don't know where it's going. You know, yeah. you got to be able to get it up and in, you know, right. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think that's the beautiful thing. Like I said, man, going back to, it's all about your mind. It's all about, you know, uh, what, what you are, you know, what you're bringing to it. So it's like, how much can you grind that out, man? It's like, yeah. And like, and you know, it's always cracks me up. It's right. Like golf is, I was watching this comedian he's talking about, it. he's like, so you're telling me you're going to hit this shot exactly where you're going to, you know, you're telling me you're going to put it exactly right there. He's like, that is absolutely crazy. Like it is not going to go right there. Like, I, I mean, like, how many times on a course in 18 holes out of all those shots, did you hit your shot exactly? I mean, to the mm-hmm. millimeter. Never. Where you wanted to get? Never. 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 You know, it goes never. in the vicinity works out half the time, you know half the time whatever but it never goes exactly where you wanted it right so pretty much every shot is a failure so it's right. like okay you know somewhere worse than even, the other even a lot of the ones that go in yeah. you're, like, <laughs> you're like you know what i actually i pulled that a little bit i just yeah. read that putt right yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't say shit because it went in it looks cool right <laughs> right right you know? yeah so there's been awesome. plenty of times where uh you know there's a tucked back right flag over water at a tour event on a Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody flags it, and you're like, "Yeah, he probably pushed that a little bit. He was probably yeah. he was probably going twenty feet left of that flag. He wasn't <laughs> trying to go at that. He wasn't trying yeah. to go at the flag right. at, a, at a tucked flag with yeah. the water there, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? With a like, with a two stroke lead with two holes to go. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's probably that's definitely a push. Well, even like right. when you see these people hole out. You know what I mean? And they sure. it, you're like, or you know, let's go with a lot more pace than what it would have sure. took to put it in perfectly, right? Sure. You know what I mean? So it's like something. Sure. Sometimes it just has to drop, right? Yeah. So uh, this evening I went um, probably about forty yards short of uh, a par three out at Via Verde, 
and I was going to throw it like into the middle of the green, kind of like a helicopter spinner. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I ended up only throwing it at about 15 feet past the flag and then it spun back and went in, but it's just another great example of, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't pan out exactly the way that you envisioned it. Right. Yeah, but you it, know? It, it happened, you know, it, it did right. it. Right. So it's like, right. you know, so that's why I always say like everyone is trying to just be, and, and even myself, you know what I mean? Cause when I started getting into competition golf, you know, competition golf is a whole nother ball game. Right. You know, so sure. it's like, even when you bet just a dollar on a hole, you know, you, sure. I've seen, I've seen guys choke on a $2 or a two foot putt over a dollar. Sure. I mean, you know, sure. You know? So it's like, you know, that's always a different Your hands of feel different. You're thinking oh. different things. I mean, <laughs> you know, the heart yeah. starts pounding a little bit. Yeah. And, a you, different and, you feel. Calm, and you put so much emphasis. I remember even for myself and I put so much emphasis on trying to be perfect, try right. to be perfect, try to be perfect, try to be perfect. And you're right. like, dude, what are you trying? You're never perfect. So why try and be like, literally, there's not one time on the course that you're perfect. Maybe when you walk, step out of your cart to walk up, that might be a perfect step. You know? right. But, right. but outside of that, dude, you're never perfect. So it's like, why strive for perfection? Right? Yeah. Yeah. In reality, the, the people that seem to do the best at this game um, just exude a, a lot of freedom mm -hmm. and, uh, and, they keep their uh, they keep doing the same thing over and over again. A lot of them, a lot yeah. of them are super, super creative, mm -hmm. uh, able to stay in the moment. It's different for different people. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's more about more about freedom than it is yeah. about trying to be perfect for sure. You know, yeah. when a golfer starts thinking about perfection, that's when they get wound up. That's, that's when you're going to fuck tight. up. That's yeah. when you're going to fuck up. And that's right. when you're like, damn it. You know what I mean? And then, then it's just a, you know, it's a, a, a pendulum, you know, a, just an event after event that just happens into it. Right. So it's like, and like, I, I just believe it's also that self-talk, right. It has to be that self-talk, you know, cause sure. it's like, you know, you sitting there, you're calling yourself a jerk off or a dumbass. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. how, how well do you think your next shot is going to be? Right. You know what I mean? Like realistically, yeah, maybe 50% of you might hit it good, might hit it bad, but pretty much <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm almost going to say 90% of the time you're going to hit a shitty shot because yeah. you're just, you know, and I always say like that self-talk, like I, I don't know, you know, if any youth is listening to your show and stuff like that, but the self-talk man, or, you know, even just any adults or whatever, but it's like, I always look at it as like, how would you talk to like little you, if little you was a five-year-old and you were, mm -hmm. and they were learning golf, how would you talk right. to them? Right. All right, man. Hey, let's figure it out. Right? right. Like, it's just like, that's how I look at it, you know? So it's like, just trying to keep myself in the game so I can still got a chance. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't do a very good job growing up doing the reverse psychology game with mm. myself. Uh, probably should have looked into that a little bit deeper when I was mm -hmm. a kid, but, uh, yeah, you gotta, you got, you gotta stay positive. You have to. And uh, you got to be looking forward to, um, you know, the tough situations. Got to realize that they're coming. They'll, yeah. they'll be there at some point, right? And then, and and then you're like, all right, 
yeah and then you're like yeah. all right here it is you know what i mean right. and then you can actually enjoy it instead of it being sure. like oh my god the hard moments here you know what i mean and not sure. saying like when you're pucking like i remember like and it's and this is my my very prestigious competitive golfing career <laughs> but there's a there's a there was this tournament um at uh it was uh, i was part of the woodley lakes men's group right yeah and so I was in the A flight, which is anywhere from people from three to a seven handicap, right? Yeah. And I was a seven, I was a seven handicap at the time. And I happened to get paired up with this guy, you know, that was in it. And we in the, just our first day was random pairing. And um, he took me, he had me by three strokes. That, that day I shot like a 76, he shot a 73. And so the next day we're paired up and we're in the finals group. And cause he's in flight A as well. And so we're in the final pairing. And so, you know, uh, and I end up getting those three strokes back by the ninth, by the ninth hole and I'm going. And so then we're just going back and forth. And by the time it comes down to the 18th hole, we're tied up, tied up going into the 18th. You know what I mean? He's talking to me and I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, probably go driver. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. In my head, I'm like, I'm going three with three wood. I don't know what had it in my head, but I was like, I'm just, it puts me, sets me up perfect on the hole. So I go three wood, three wood. And, you know, I piped it down there, but there was, I put it, I tucked it behind a tree, which wasn't an ideal situation. And I had to cut around it. I had to, I had to make a shot, man. Yeah. I had to make a shot and I made a kind of fairly straightaway par five. Yep. With the field left. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I got tucked behind a big thing and it was, it was just a couple of branches and it was just enough to screw me where I had to cut it a little bit and yeah. I had to put about a 10 yard cut on it, you know? And so I was like, okay, it's enough to where I had to get in a nice little, it was probably about a seven yarder. So I had, I had like a nice little leak on it. I couldn't go straight at it and I had to make a shot. Right. And so, you know, but and you've I'm, got a good visual and uh, yeah, you've got it all panned out and in, in your brain and yeah, you well, see it. And yeah. And I'm like, if I do it out. this, this, and this, if I do this, this, and this, I should cut, and I feel it in my body, and I'm set up like this, and I'm doing this. I'm like, all right, cool, yeah, we're in this. And then it's like, and then you send it, you know, and then right. it, it, it works out. <laughs> you know, you're like, holy shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm on the green in two, and, you know, I'm putting for birdie, right? Or right. putting for eagle, right? So it's like, right. um, you know, so for me, it's like, it's you're going to have those those fuck situations and those those moments that you're gonna have to scramble and and face adversity and and do all that stuff and i'm not gonna say it's gonna be fun but you're gonna have i would say it's you should have a better attitude of like okay this is where we get to now this is where you get to paint right this is where you get to you know what i mean this is where you get to dance this is where you get to write this is where this is where you get to do your art you know sure and so that's what you know so and then culminating it all together right 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 Mm-hmm. the uh the event where i really feel like i i played my best mm-hmm. was <clears throat> an event that was you know at the time while i was playing college golf uh it was uh it was kind of a low grade event you know mm-hmm. it was a local two day amateur event it was the mm-hmm. moreno valley city in uh 2006 and mm-hmm. uh yeah, you, know, you got some Cal State San Bernardino guys there and a couple of the UCR guys that I played with. And first day I hit 16 greens and I shoot 70 Oof. and uh, and I'm two back. And the second day I woke up that morning and I was like, you know, like just played in NCAA regionals. Uh, 
we won uh we got into a playoff against long beach state at big west with a four-man team like we've played in some pretty big stuff recently and played pretty well this mm-hmm. is just a stupid little tournament yep. it's got a couple of local guys in it yep at a golf course that i play all the time mm-hmm. and nobody's gonna remember tomorrow how i played today yeah so whatever you know <laughs> and love that and and the entire day all i told myself was just okay you know i'm hitting a little itty bitty cut i'm gonna aim there i'm gonna swing freely and i don't care where it goes yeah and uh you know, i put it out of my mind you know missed it in the right places mm-hmm. um and shoot 64 and win the tournament by seven you know but like yeah so i go 70 64 and like at the end of the event i was like damn like that was that was some really good playing yeah but but now i look back on you know period of time that i uh you know was traveling around doing mondays and playing in state opens and trying to make it as a pro and Mm -hmm. uh college golf days and you know the the bigger stuff that i played in yeah like man had i been able to get into that state of mind like Mm -hmm. that like i did in that event and just go who cares man like nobody nobody's gonna remember tomorrow how you played right i know know. it's such a mind fuck you know man i i i i know i know that i would have been a much better player had i been able to hone that in Yes. You know, but it's really difficult for, you know, somebody who, you know, grew up playing the game since the age of seven, mm-hmm. uh, never wanted to do anything other than play professional golf. When when yep. you're a junior and that U.S. Am qual comes around or that U.S. junior qual comes around, it feels like the end of the world, man. It's 100%. like, I got to make it. I got to make yep. it. This is, if this I don't is how college it. coaches are going to notice me. And, th- and it's like, dude, you are putting so much pressure on yourself that you're, you're not going to have any freedom. Yeah. You're not going to allow anything good to happen, you know? And it just so. stifles you, right? And, it, and of course, it's just so easy to, you know, say, oh, yeah, just go into it, not give a shit, and da-da-da. But then the, the double edge of that sword, right, which is why it's such a mind fuck, is because it means so much to you. Sure. So, you know what I mean? To sit there and be like, oh, yeah, don't give a fuck. But also, it's the, you, what you think is the biggest deal at, at the time. And for me, it's like I just feel look at it as like, you know, we make you everyone always makes up this plan as the, that's the only way that they can be successful. Like, right. do you think I sat there when I was 18 years old, getting into my boxing career, and I, I was going to become a, a Golden Glove champion, a professional boxer, a, an Alaskan commercial fisherman, and a professional stuntman? Like, do you think I, like, I was like, yeah, this is how I'm going to be it. This is, the, this is how I'm going to be successful. No, I led with my heart. And the beautiful thing about God and the universe, man, is that if you sit there and you keep rocking and you keep pushing forward and you keep and you and you and you put the correct amount of effort in and the discipline and love into the things that you're doing, it's there's these doors that open up that you had no that was not even in your plan. And it's like the same thing, like with a golf shot, like you didn't think it, you, you were like, yeah, I want to go in that area. But like it ended up going over that area, kicked off the collar and fucking got a nice little boost and came around and fucking dropped the hole right it's like you know you get these whole you know you get these doors that come out of nowhere and they're like these transporting doors you know where you only think like to get up this mountain is just 
trekking up this mountain. And this 10,000 mile mountain is going to take forever because if you go by your paces, it's going to take, you know, one year to get every thousand miles, right? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, little do you know, if you just keep going, there's, you know, God got you in at, you know, at, at 3000 miles, he's like, Hey, here's a portal up to 8,000 miles. And you're like, Holy shit. You know, right. and you're like, or, Oh, I'm on this other mountain or whatever. And like, it's just different doors open up, man. You know? And it's right. like, but we love to put that extra pressure on ourselves that it's the only ability, the only way to make things happen. Right. And sure. is what we see as possible in our minds, but just being more acceptable to other options. Right. 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 Being, o- being okay with things going sideways, being okay with things going really well, just going with the flow, going with the punches. Yeah, you know? just being, just dude. Taking it, <laughs> taking it as it is. Yeah, right? you're like, and yeah. loving yourself. Hey, man, I love it that I'm great. I love it that I'm sucking. I love, you know what I mean? It's like, love is the, is the, is the key to it, you know what I mean? You t- right. Just talk to yourself with that good energy, man, and that good, you know, that good mental talk and, you know, and just keeping, you know. You give yourself a chance, man. There's, right. you know, beating up on yourself doesn't help anybody. I don't give a shit who you are. No, I don't give a shit who you are. Like you may, you may think it, you may feel like that's what you need at that time. And there's sometimes where, like, now I look at it as like, if I now if I fail at a discipline where I want to wake up in the morning, I want to wake up and I want to work out at five in the morning, and I I failed at that, I get a little hard on myself. You know what I mean? And I'll be like, hey, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Sure. Like. You, you committed to this. This was your commitment. You signed a contract between you and us and, and you, you failed at that. You, you right. wanted to get a little snuggly in your blankets and you didn't want to get up. You know what I mean? Like we, we need to go after that. And, you know, and again, you can still be soft to yourself on those kind of things, but you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's about being soft on yourself and, you know, giving yourself the chance to be and not stifling your creativity and not stifling your, your energy that you have inside of you by, because I believe a lot of pressure is self-created. Sure. You know, a lot of, a lot of the times I don't let it, not anybody else like, yeah, sure. If you're in a final hole and there's a fucking shootout or whatever. Yeah. There's fucking pressure, but sure. that extra pressure that's self-created, you know, right. that's you saying, I got to do this. Cause if I don't do this, I'm not going to, you know, I, I won't get my world ranking or I will, you know what I mean? Like sure. all these, they don't think like that. It's like, Hey man, sure. what do I got to do? You know, you yeah. don't got to put that pressure on yourself. Right. Yeah. Like I was, like I was saying, you know, I mean, like you, you win an event, you shoot, you shoot 64, you shoot 84. Nobody's going to remember in a couple of days. Nobody, nobody gives a shit what you that's- did. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, just yep. go out there and do your thing and, and see what happens. Yep. Let, Have let some the, fun, right? Let the Fuck chips fall as they may, you know, but you got to, you got to free it up, man. You got to yeah. be okay and accept it, you yeah. know? 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, that was fun, man. Absolutely, man. That Thanks for having fun. me on. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, maybe we'll have to do another one here sometime soon. Anytime, man. And yeah, thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's always great chopping it up with like-minded individuals and, there a guy you, go. Who, <laughs> and you know, and a guy, yeah, who can, you know, put the, put some extreme sauce on his, uh, on his wedge shots, which right. is always impressive to watch, you know? So right. It's a, yeah. It's all good stuff. Man. It's something that you got to have when you hit the ball shitty, yeah. right? Which is, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is, 
which is why I can do that stuff. Of it's, live, it's another live my life in the weeds. So you gotta <laughs> gotta have some hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, wait, I gotta learn something. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get better at this shit, right? Yeah, you're better off, you know, uh, getting some info from me than uh, going through the lifelong experience of uh, missing a lot of greens. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try and take your word for it because I've I've already had I've been on the <laughs> I've been on that forefront for a bit now. But yes, I'm gonna take your word for that. I'm gonna try there and learn. I love it, man. Yeah. Well, th- thanks, brother. Yeah, I All had right. an absolute blast, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, brother. All right, man. All right, adios. All right.